this week's teaching, Pastor Randy walks us through the message series in the book of James called Growing Pains and talks to us about taming the tongue. The words we use have the power to lift up or tear down depending on what's in our hearts. Let's learn together as we open up to James chapter 3. I heard a story about a young lady named uh, Jennifer who was engaged to be married. And uh, she wasn't getting along with her soon-to-be mother-in-law. One day, Jennifer was riding in the car with her mother, and she received a phone call from her soon-to-be mother-in-law. And uh, right before she grabbed it, she was giving all these funny faces, like, I really don't want to talk to this lady. She answered the phone, and during the conversation, mom was driving, glancing over, noticing that Jennifer was rolling her eyes and just making all these faces like if she really didn't want to be in this conversation. And uh, the conversation ended, and Jennifer just turned to her mom and says, Mom, I don't believe this woman. I don't know what I'm going to do once I'm married. And she started using some choice words that I can't say from this microphone about her soon-to-be mother-in-law and complaining and just being negative and all that. After about three minutes of all that, she went back to her phone because she needed to make another call and realized that she hadn't closed the phone from the previous conversation. And yeah, her soon-to-be mother-in-law heard the whole thing. How many of you know she was in a heap of trouble, huh? Probably needed prayer. Probably needed intervention. I don't know, you know. (laughs) But uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. (laughs) Have you ever said something that you regret? Have you ever said something, oh, I wish I had those words back? Believe me, it's happened to me many times. And I think we all can gain some insight because as we go through part four, as we've been moving along from James chapter one, James chapter two, today we're looking at James chapter three, and the primary focus is this, taming the tongue. Let's read verses seven and eight as a focal point of this passage. It says, all kinds of animals... Birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Got to be careful. Now, before we pray and before we get into this topic of the tongue, don't, I I don't want us, you know, to say, oh, I wish brother so-and-so was here. I wish sister so-and-so was here, right? Turn to somebody and says, this message is for you. This message is for me, okay? Because this is for everybody, okay? (laughs) Okay, now let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege we have to be in your house. And as we gather together to study the third chapter of James here, Lord, there are so many good lessons that we can learn. Lessons, oh God, that we can um, just take to heart. And Lord, together, we want to grow as our sermon series is growing pains. Yeah, sometimes growth challenges us in ways that we don't always fully get. But today, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be ever-present. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. On a windswept hill in an English country churchyard stands a drab gray slate tombstone. The quaint stone bears an epitaph not easily seen until you stoop down and look closely at what this says on the tombstone. 
Listen to the words. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. (laughs) Yeah, somebody, I don't know who wrote that epitaph, but finally they probably said she's no longer talking. Today we are going to look at James chapter 3, and he addresses an issue that once again, who is he talking? Is he talking to the unbelievers? No. There are various times, and we're going to read through this, that he uses this terminology, brothers and sisters. He's talking to you and I. You know what? Just because we're saved, just because we're believers, just because we're going to heaven does not mean that we are not perfect, that we are perfect, okay? We are not perfect. And one of the things that challenges you and I is sometimes our mouth gets us into trouble. Hmm. So James is saying it's time to grow up. Perhaps maybe when you were a child or a teenager, your children would, I mean, your parents would teach you uh, certain things about don't say that, don't use those kind of words, or maybe you even were challenged to wash your mouth out with soap. Anybody ever try that? Let me see your hands, okay? You you did, George, huh? huh? Okay, you did. How does it taste? Oh, okay. How does, how does it taste? I don't even know how it tastes. Horrible, huh? Okay. Well, I maybe you haven't tasted soap, but probably we've been told that. I know I was told that a number of times, and all that is part of the growing up process. You know what I'm talking about? We grow up, we learn, and, and we learn how to choose our words better. And as we grow spiritually, there are times that God has to say, wait a minute, don't say that, don't go there. Be careful with what you say. Or as Dwight Eisenhower, former president, said this. I love this quote. He says, never miss a good opportunity to keep your mouth shut. Just saying, okay? (laughs) So the first part of the chapter, I'm going to give you the overview. Statement number one. Spiritual growth can be measured in the way you handle your tongue. Spiritual growth can be measured in the way you handle your tongue. Let's read verse 1 as we get into this topic. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So what does James say? He starts off by saying, first of all, any of you who are teaching the word, and of course, that's, I'm one of those. You know what? My words are held at a higher level. I am accountable for what I say. And I, you know, I'm okay with that because if I ever, if I ever was to start teaching heresy or false doctrine or teach things that are not in alignment with the word of God, I need to be accountable for that. And probably it would be best for me to walk away from this position that I am in. And I need to be accountable. And praise God for these elders who stood up here who hold me accountable for that. But any of us who teach the Word of God, any of us who teach the Word of God are held accountable for what we say. That's what James is saying. And then in verse 2, he says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He's kind of saying this, if you can keep your mouth in check, you're probably going to keep the rest of yourself in check as well. But he puts a lot of importance on our mouth. Got to be careful about that. So when you get home, I want, to, I want you to try an experiment. I want you to go to your toothpaste, and I want you to take out all 
squeeze out all the toothpaste from there, all right? And then when you're done, put it back in, okay? I mean, no, that's, that's a, probably an impossible task. Why is that? Why do I tell you to do that? Because remember that the words you say can never be put back. Once you say something, it's out there. It can never be taken back. Once you say something, whether it's good or bad, it's out there. And a lot of times you say, oh, I wish I had those words back. Sorry. No, yeah, it, it's, that's, it's a problem. We say things, and sometimes we stay with certain regrets. But we are accountable, this is what James is saying, for everything we say. Got to be careful because sometimes we, we just need to have self-control. And when we talk about self-control, which, by the way, is one of the fruit of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is living in you, you have self-control. It's one of the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And the first place that you and I need to have self-control is a tongue, because oftentimes the tongue gets us in trouble. There are times I want to say things. There are times I want to respond. There's times I want to react. There's times I get angry. And then I walk across five questions that I spell out the word T-H-I-N-K, think. Think before I speak. And here's the acrostic that helps me understand. Maybe you would join with me. Anytime you're tempted to say something that may get misconstrued or out of hand, think, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Because why should it be inspiring? We want to lift up, not tear down. Is it necessary in other words, does it really have to be said? Oh, I, do I just want to talk? And letter K, is it kind? So we got to think before you speak. Because if you follow this, you're going to probably hold back from saying a lot of things that maybe you want to say, but really should not be said. One of the things I notice when I go to the doctor and I'm sick is the doctor often says, open your mouth wide. And part of me thinks, why my mouth? Well, I've noticed that doctors can look inside your mouth and see certain things that are developing, maybe an infection that, have, that is affecting somewhere else in my body. But I notice that my mouth is kind of a gateway for the doctor to see the things that are down deep inside. Likewise, <clears throat> in a spiritual sense, the topic today from James chapter 3, James is trying to teach us, okay, your mouth, your tongue is going to reveal any other problems or spiritual infections that may be developing in your heart, in your soul. And Dr. Jesus wants to come in and do an investigation, and it's going to begin by your mouth. Because what is developing in your heart oftentimes is said and is revealed by the things we say. For example, you show me someone who has a profane mouth, and I'll show you someone who has a profane heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, says the Word of God. You show, show me someone who is negative and filled with complaint, 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 and I'll show you someone who has a negative heart. That's just with their mouth, they're flowing forth what, re, what is revealed in their heart. Show me someone who gossips, and I'll show you someone who has a sinful heart. Whatever is in our heart is flowing forth in our mouth. We've got to be careful what we say. 
And even, this is not really a, a message on, on profanity, but we got to be careful about that. I've noticed that over the years, a lot of people, they try to get to the edge of profanity, but not going over. Well, I don't want to take the name of the Lord God in vain. But there's some words that we as a, I'm going to say American culture, start to say, and we come close to that. But most of us think, oh, that's not bad. And I'm not, let's say, for example, if I were to use the word gosh. Now, that's not a profane word, but it is a form of the word God. So what is it when you're saying that word? Is, how does it relate to what that word, the root of that is? God. Are you, are you flippantly using the word God? Or some people say, golly, geez. Well, golly is a form of the word God. Jeez is a form of the word Jesus. Why do people come up with those phrases? Because they want to get close to taking the name of the Lord God in vain without taking the name of the Lord God in vain. You know what I'm talking about? we got to be careful. Even now, a popular one nowadays is OMG. Now, some people use that flippantly. But are they really saying, oh, my God, I worship you? Now, if you use it in that context where you're worshiping God, not a problem. But some people use that flippantly. Like if they're, are you really calling upon God? And we need to be careful because, once again, what we say with our mouth, you know, flows forth from our heart. We've got to be careful about that. So James gets into a number of pictures of the tongue. And, and there's a, a, quite a number of, I think about six of them. Very quickly, let's walk through them so that we can get a picture of what he's talking about. The first picture is the bit that is placed in horses. Verse 3, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Like a bit, the tongue is small but powerful. Like a bit that's put in the mouth of a horse, the tongue is small but it is powerful. The horse, you can turn a horse this direction or that direction by the bit that is in their mouth. Words are powerful. If you were in a courtroom and you hear this one word, guilty, that is a powerful word. Powerful word. Can I give you another example of a powerful word in a positive way? When someone says these three words, I forgive you. How many know those are powerful words? powerful words. James is saying, like a bit in a horse, those words are small but powerful. To get more into this, the power of the tongue, our Digging Deeper notes this week is that topic, and you can get those notes over there, talking about the power of the tongue. Yesterday, I got to tell you, I was uh, at Costco, and I was pushing the cart, getting some things for our burger bash, praise the Lord, looking forward to tonight. But I was getting some things at Costco, and about maybe 25 feet ahead of me, there was a lady, and she had, apparently, it was her granddaughter in her cart, and, and she was, I guess, struggling a little bit, and I heard her from a distance say these words, oh, your grandma is old and dying. And, and, and then there was a lady coming from this direction. Once again, they both were about 20. She overheard that. Total, they were strangers. She turned around and says, ma'am, don't say that. There's power in the tongue. That's what she said. And I was behind here and says, amen, I'm preaching about that tomorrow, okay? <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> that really did happen. <laughs> uh, but there is power in the tongue. There's power in the tongue, Okay. And uh, got to be careful about that. Okay, the second picture. Like a rudder, the tongue reveals direction. So verse 4 here, 
James says this, or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by small, strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So here's a second picture. The rudder of a ship is small, but it directs the entire ship as to where the ship is going. Likewise, James is saying, that's the way your tongue is. If you're going to speak negative things, you're gearing your life to go in a negative direction. If you're judgmental, then you're gearing your life to go in a judgmental direction. But if you speak words of life, you're going in the direction that God wants you to go. <clears throat> Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word turns away anger. So it reminds me of the story of a frog who, who wanted to join a flock of birds in going south for the winter. But he, of course, can't fly. So he asks his two, two of his bird friends, I'll tell you what, I've got an idea. Here's a stick. You put this stick over here. You hold this in. You hold this in. And I will bite the middle of the stick. And you guys take off to fly. And, I'll, and I'm on my way with you to fly south for the winter. So that's what happened. As they were flying by, a, a, a farmer was looking up. He said, whoa, that is a frog in the middle of the sky. Is a frog flying? And he realized what was happening. And the farmer says this. He looks up and says, that is a great idea. Whose idea was that? And the frog opened his mouth to say, the idea was mine. And, of course, he, he opened his mouth and fell into destruction. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. In fact, this week, uh, Brenda, well, she didn't realize that she was going to give me some material, but she told me, she says this, I, I wrote it down, I quoted her. She says, if people would learn how to hold their tongue, they would stay out of trouble. <laughs> so I commend you for, yeah, she gave me that word. That's a great quote, all right? If people would learn how to hold their tongue, they would stay out of trouble. A third picture, number three, or a third one is like a fire. The tongue can do a lot of damage. The tongue can do a lot of damage. So we pick up in verse 5 where James says this, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Hmm. It's a strong statement. So if you have words that are going to attack and you're going to bring fire to, you know, you know it, James just says, hey, that's coming from hell. It's as simple as that. Reminds me of what happened on October 8th, 1871. Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked over a lantern at 8.30 p.m. And that lantern started a little fire. It grew bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it ended up to be the great Chicago fire where so many people died. Over 100,000 people were left homeless. 17,500 buildings were destroyed, and on and on. All because of a cow kicking over a lantern. That little flame turned into the great Chicago fire. One match can burn down a house. The tongue, the tongue, James is saying, is like that match. It could set things aflame, and it can destroy things in a huge manner. Kind of reminds me of, gossip fires. When someone wants to gossip, yeah, they're, they're, they're talking and they're saying things that are negative 
and uh, they're gossiping about this person or that person. Just remember this. If someone comes to you with gossip telling you about this other person, what they did or what they think, guess what? If they are willing to gossip to you, they're probably willing to gossip about you. Just keep that in mind, okay? (sighs) Mark Twain says this. It's better to keep your mouth shut and appear stupid than to open it and remove all doubts. Just think about that. All right. <laughs> Proverbs twenty one twenty three says, Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Another picture that James gives us is found in verse 7. Like a poisonous reptile, the tongue must be brought under control. Here's what he says here. Of all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So James is saying you can tame the animals. You can go to SeaWorld and see a huge whale named Shamu, and he is tamed. You can tame monkeys and dogs, but the tongue is very hard to tame. Reminds me of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So Paul here in Ephesians 4, 28 and 29 draws a correlation between unwholesome talk and grieving the Holy Spirit. So if you talk negatively, if you talk with judgment, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is saying right here. When you say things that you're not supposed to say, that's the picture that we're given. The next picture, uh, verses 9, 10, and 11. Like a fountain, the tongue must consistently bless. Like a fountain, I want you to picture a fountain. It continues to flow. The tongue must consistently bless. Bless. Let's read verse 9. With the tongue, James says, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, who's he talking to? The Christians. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Hmm. What is he saying? If you're going to curse your brother, be careful. The same tongue, on Sundays you come, oh, praise God, we worship you. And then on Monday you're cursing or you say negative things about your brother or sister. We've got a problem. It should not be, James says. No, you can't do that. This should not be. Can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? I've noticed that many people use, I'm going to give you an example, social media to badmouth other people. Negative, negative, negative. What is James saying here? When you badmouth someone, you are badmouthing God because didn't God make them? Weren't, <clears throat> weren't they created in the image of God? Didn't God create them? Yes. And you are bashing them? Got to be careful about that because James is saying, wait a minute, the same mouth that you praise the Lord, same mouth you're cursing others? Hmm. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, a fountain of life. Got to be real careful about that. Words of life. Let's say, for example, 
once again, the fountain of life. God to speak life. You've heard us use this terminology, words of life here at Fortress Church. Praise God that, that we are a church that speaks words of life. Let's say, for example, your, your, your son comes home and, uh, and, he's, and he flunked his math test. And he shows you the paper and it says F on there because he flunked his math test. How do you respond as a mom, as a dad? Do you yell at them? Do you say, oh, you dumb, stupid kid? What you're doing is you're sp- speaking words of death. You have a choice. But wait a minute, he, made him, he, he did bad on the test. Yes, he did. But wouldn't it be great if you could say, you know what, son? I see that you made an F on this test, and I want to help you because I believe, I believe in you, and I believe this is the last F you're ever going to make. And I believe you're going to bring that grade up, you're going to pass this class, and you're going to do well. Now, what is the difference? You can speak death or you can speak life. The choice is yours. James is saying here, it's like a fountain, he says here. It's like, a, a, can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No, let's let words of life flow from us continually. Another picture, verse 12. Like a fig tree reveals the condition of its roots, the tongue reveals the condition of the heart. My brothers and sisters, now I'm reading from verse 12. Once again, he makes it clear that he's speaking to the believers. Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What is he saying? What is down deep in your heart? Because it's going to flow out. You show me someone who's always talking about God, then you know what? They have God in their heart. Some people never talk about God. Well, God's not in their heart. It's as simple as that. Reminds me of what Jesus said. It's found in Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's a life lesson I don't want you to forget. What you say reveals the condition of your heart. And the condition of your heart reveals who you are. One lady told her pastor, after her pastor is preaching a similar message to this about the tongue, she was convicted. She came to the altar and says, Pastor, I feel convicted. I'm going to lay my tongue at this altar. The pastor, knowing that she was a big-time gossip, told her, Ma'am, the altar's not big enough for your tongue. Just saying. (laughs) That didn't happen here, okay? Psalm 141, verse 3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That should be our prayer. Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Now, we talk about this, and then now, the the last portion of James chapter 3, James transitions to talking about wisdom. And many people will say, well, that's a different topic, but in a way, they correlate, and I'll kind of bring this together. He talks about, in the last few verses, two kinds of wisdom, earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. Let's read verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done, and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. 
to the first verses here, James is saying, I'm giving you some characteristics of earthly wisdom. And he's saying, don't go there. It is earthly. I'm talking about the the earthly wisdom. It is unspiritual. And it is demonic. That's a pretty strong statement there. But James is saying, you got to be careful what you, what, what you, the decisions you make. If you make wise decisions, well, what kind of wisdom are you using? Are you using godly wisdom or <clears throat> earthly wisdom? In the Living Bible, James 3.13 says this, If you are wise, live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about them, then you will be truly wise. In other words, be steady about the things that you do. Use wisdom in the decisions you make. And then don't brag about it. He says, in the humility of your wisdom. You don't need to brag about it. Just let your actions speak louder than your words. Life lesson, never forget this. A blessed tomorrow is dependent on the wise choices that you make today. Got to make those wise choices. So what does godly wisdom look like? James gives us those characteristics of the earthly wisdom. We don't want to go there. But here's the good news. He says, here is how you can live and respond with godly wisdom. Verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wow. Uh, You know, I I underlined all those characteristics of godly wisdom because I tell the Lord that's what I want to do. I want to make decisions that are pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. I want to be a peacemaker. See, this is what James is saying here. He says, if you peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. James is saying, make the right decisions. Choose what is right. Now, once again, we've been talking about the tongue, and then he switches gears to talk about wisdom. Are those two different topics? In a way they are, but in a way they are related. And the way that they are related is because both of those topics, the tongue and wisdom, deal with your heart. Because as we talked about with the tongue, what we say with our tongue is a reflection of what we, who we are from our heart, the condition of our heart. And wisdom, very similarly, the decisions we make, whether they're godly wisdom or ungodly wisdom, reveals the condition of our heart. If I'm going to serve the Lord, then I'm going to make godly decisions. Now, <clears throat> once again, that, that's, that's so, so important. I want to encourage you to make godly choices. Godly wisdom, as James is saying. And today's message, I don't want any of you to take it as a condemning message. No, no, no. I'm here to teach you what the Bible says in James 3, as we're talking about growing pains, so that we would grow and get more mature in our walk with the Lord. Now, I don't want you to walk out of here and say, oh, this, this was a, a, you know, a I, want, I want to encourage you. 
And I want to speak words of life to you. I'm not here to condemn you and you, well, you, you, you said this and this and that. No, no, no. I'm here to say, you know what? Those things may have been done. You may have said, you may have said something to someone, you know, a year ago, two years ago, and it's still haunting you. That's in your past. Do I hear an amen? That is in your past. But starting today, I want to encourage you to tame the tongue. I want to encourage you to start saying things that uplift people, not tear them down. To just believe in them. Believe in them. Be a conduit of God because God's word is filled with words of life. And if you and I can simply speak those words of life from Scripture to the people we come in contact with, then guess what? We are speaking like if we are a a messenger from God. And people need to hear that. We read scriptures like, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a, script, uh, and a future. That scripture are words of life. Amen? I love that. If I were to say, the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, those are words of life. If I were to say, God works everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, God works everything for the good, those are words of life. When you and I learn to quote scripture and speak life into people, things change. We can use our tongue in a godly manner. I close by telling you a story that I heard of a 22-year-old young man. He had been looking for affirmation most of his life. Unfortunately, he didn't find it at home. So he thought he could find it in a circle of friends who were ungodly. That circle of friends got him into trouble, one negative incident after another. Finally, his dad had the heart-to-heart talk with him. And when he realized, that dad realized that really what his son needed was affirmation. And that was the point that dad said, son, forgive me. Powerful words, by the way. I have not given you the affirmation that you deserve, and I am sorry. I want you to know that I believe in you. You are a fantastic, gifted young man with great potential, even for the kingdom of God. I got to tell you, that's all this young man needed to hear. That's what he had been longing for most of his life. And after that conversation, he changed. Things changed. He left that group of ungodly friends and he started to pursue a close relationship with the Lord. You know what happened? Words of life changed this young man's life and his direction. Do you realize the positive influence you can be on the people whom you touch? Whether they be your family members or friends, you can be a positive influence on anybody you touch, and you can steer them in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody ready to make those wise decisions? Amen? Would you stand with me right now? Father, thank you. And as we begin to prepare for a time of prayer, would you begin speaking to us? Holy Spirit, begin speaking to us. As we prepare for a time of prayer, I'd love for you to repeat after me this declaration to start us off as we need to focus on what God has for us. Maybe you want to repeat after me if you're in agreement with the message from James chapter 3. Lord God Almighty, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Today, I purpose to have self-control over my tongue. I ask you, Lord, to set a guard over my mouth and to keep watch over the door of my lips. I will speak 
words of life to my fellow brothers and sisters, lifting them up, not tearing them down. I also ask you for wisdom. May I develop the discipline of making God-honoring decisions. Amen. So be it. If that's your prayer, would you join me in giving the Lord some praise right now? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast teaching from Pastor Randy. I loved his life lesson he shared. He said, what you say reveals the condition of your heart, and the condition of your heart reveals who you are. Man, what, how true is that? How we can see the words that we say and how it impacts people for the positive and the negative. How we can share the gospel with others through the words that we say, but also hinder people from receiving the love of Jesus by the negative words we speak and the gossip and the slandering, whatever that is. Um, I hope you take this message to heart and apply it to your lives. Uh, I'm enjoying this teaching on the book of James. We're going to continue it next week. We're excited. You could also uh, visit us here at the church this Sunday at 9, 15 a.m. and 11 a.m. with our two services. We'd love to have you. God bless.